Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. How can I be sure in a world that's constantly changing how can I be sure Kill me. where I stand with you? Kill me now. Just, I'm ready to end it all now. Why are we doing Cliff Richard? David Cassidy. Sounded like Cliff David Richard David Cassidy. <laughs> oh, God. I've just oh. written a piece for the Mail Plus, which is up now, because every Friday a different writer writes about the sort of love of their life. And Melissa Kite stole horses. So I got David Cassidy. Well, I, I think that probably is what you would And have done I told anyway. the lovely editor of Mail Plus if he put a big picture of David Cassidy above my copy, I could then cut it out and put it on my wall. <gasps> That's what I could get you for your birthday a big cardboard David Cassidy in a lame position to put next to you at night. Well, that's why my mum got me a um, a subscription to Jackie. So I graduated from Diana, my magazine, when I was a child, to Jackie because it promised a life-sized poster of David Cassidy. So my mum got me and it arrived. And the first week, it was very clever marketing, the first week all you got was his trousers. No, I suppose you got the important bit. And then, the, well, I was only 11. And then the second week you got his top half. Right, so you had to keep buying it. So I had to keep buying it. And he was life-size in my little box room. <laughs> did you practice kissing with your poster? I did practice kissing him. And I wrote some funny antidotes in the piece. I, You know how shy and nervous I am? Yeah. I was even more shy and nervous when I was at Brentwood County High. But I entered a disco dancing competition to win a poster of David Cassidy and I won. And that's how desperate you were. I won a poster. But the love of a teenage girl, there's nothing, there's no other feeling like it. I mean, I never felt for any man the way I felt for David Cassidy. I mean, But is that because oh he's not God. real? Because it's he like, is real, because I met him and I saw his rubbish. No, but your your feelings for him aren't real, are they? They are you don't, real. Well, you don't know him. I do know him. He might... No, oh, come on. He might smudge the light switch or something. That would put you straight off. He might put the milk back in without putting it on a bit of well, tissue. Well, his wheelie bin, it was all very nicely organised, you know, different things. I'm pretty sure that David Cassidy didn't organise his own wheelie bin. I think he did. Well, you think he got in and just positioned it everywhere? You, you just... You, I don't know what to say, really. You need, you need, like, a flesh and blood man that, you know, sort of, like... Interact. No, because they smudge light switches. Exactly. Don't they? That is my entire point. He smudged the light switch and that'd be it. I don't think David Cassidy would though, because he wouldn't have reached them because he's actually quite small. Well he's dead now, but he's he was actually quite small and slight. Right. Okay. It's not sounding like a good prospect. You're quite big. 
I'm not big. We're not big. Tall. You're tall. You're tall and I'm wide. But look how moving that record was. Look how the words spoke to you, you know, and look how not he sung it. when you were singing them, they didn't. Compare that to the new Adele single. Yeah, very disappointed. What a load of rubbish. I've just gone to Bollywood. Wasn't it a load of rubbish? It, yeah, I was just Shall I tell you what the problem is? And I wrote about this in the Daily Mail on Saturday... The headline was, sorry, Adele, your divorce needs a better ballad. So I sort of compared my divorce to her divorce. And I said, the main problem is she's now too happy to produce great art. Whereas if you look at Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, there's no comparison because Amy had real pain. And I said, you don't get great art from being rich and happy and slim and dieted. To make great art, you have to suffer. Like, look at 20 years of my column. If it had been, oh, well, I got married and I pushed two lovely children out and they're, they're now at private school and they're now at university. And then I sold my house in Charlcott Square with a profit of five million and now I live in a lovely house in Suffolk with no mortgage. Yeah, great. That column would last about two days. Yeah, but to be fair, if you had the million pound house, if you pushed out two children in the house, you wouldn't need to write the column. Yeah, but the world needs art. Sod, sod art. If I'm rich and happy, I don't care if I'm if I'm artistic. But I got I got a terrible backlash from Adele's thing, and then they she's very loved. they had a terrible backlash. So I wasn't able to say anything negative about her, although I said she's beautiful and she's got a beautiful voice and the music was lovely. But you can't just be nice about a record, same as I can't just be nice about a Versace dress on the on the catwalk. Because if you say it's great, people will go and spend their money on something and then be disappointed. But also, everyone's going to have their own take on it. Other people would have thought it was absolutely bloody amazing. That, that person's not me for this record. But then I love stuff that you hate, you know, frequently. My book reviews, for one. You know, so like we all, you know, I, I can't, I, I can't stand a lot of the music you like, like the Beatles. So everything is relative. Who Someone will have loved it. Loved doesn't it. like the Beatles. Me. Paul McCartney is, I mean, he's Mozart, Bach, Beethoven, all rolled into one lovely package. I'm sure he's very good, but that may be just going a and bit. And although far. I will go down in history. David Cassidy might have snubbed me, but I snubbed Paul McCartney. Let's just remember that. But why? You love him. No, I couldn't meet a Beatle. Why? If it was like, for me, with George Michael, I'd be in there like a rat up a drain pipe. But Best I know buddies. Paul McCartney doesn't want anything to do with me, so why put him through that? Because his daughter was introducing you. Just say hello, don't run. No. I or could, I do, could it have... like, do it like Adele. Hello from hello. the other side. Hello. <laughs> So unfortunately, Adele's not my best friend anymore. Well, she never was. I was going to say, I don't, I don't think she ever was. So okay, moving on. <laughs> well, we had the terrible, terrible news last week of the MP David shocking Armas being murdered. Shocking for his family. Shocking for the animal rights movement because he was such a friend of animals. He Huge campaigned hits. against trophy hunting. He campaigned against experiments, live export. Um, he was a real voice for animals, and it's such a shame. But the murder happened in Leon C, and I grew up in Leon C and, and South End. I did my A levels there, and 
I used to go to a pub called The Smack, which is a bit unfortunate, and The Pizza <laughs> Boat. And I had my lovely gang of friends there, Karen, who lived in Lee, and Chris, and Peter, and Janet, who had very thin arms, and her boyfriend, David. And we used to go you know, to the pub, and we'd put drama things on, and we'd put plays on. And it was just such a happy, that was just mm. such a happy place for me, Southend, even though it was windswept. It was just a happy place. I love Southend. Whenever, you know, we sort of was going anywhere, we'd go to Southend for the day. And I remember South leaving, leaving Leighton, going to my mum, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And it was like, I love, and even right up until I left London, we'd go out for the evening in Southend, or go, even though it was like quite away, because it was just, it was a home from home. Loved it. But I seem to have spent those years, my sort of A-level years, going to discos. I probably reprised my David Cassidy dance, I don't think we I? call them discos anymore. Well, they were discos them? then. <laughs> and I even used to, on South End Precinct, we went to a disco at lunchtime. There were lunchtime discos. Do you remember lunchtime discos? Yeah, I remember disco? lunchtime discos, yeah. Oh. And oh, to go back. At that time, South End was full of Persian boys. So this was before Persia became Iran, and they were all Persian, and they all came to study in South End to escape conscription and being killed. And, my God, they were handsome. How did you stay a virgin to your 30s? For God's sake, Oh, my God, they were handsome. For the love of God. Oh. And I went to so many discos, and I used to go to a disco near this near South End airport. South End, yeah. Called the Zero Six. I remember that. Do you remember the Zero yeah, Six? yeah. I was too young to go, but I remember it. What was the disco on Canvey Island? I don't know. What was the one that was the, then became the casino? Top of, top, top, top of the South? Yeah, yeah. Um, but Zero Six was my favourite, and I entered the beauty contest, and I was Miss Zero Six. Did you get a sash? I think I got a sash. Someone a sash. took a photograph. I was wearing a denim... All in one boiler suit. They're back in fashion now. I should have kept you it. You should have kept it. It'd have been vintage. And those were that was a year, I guess it was sort of 75, 76, when I first discovered Vogue. So I graduated from Jackie. I thought I'm never gonna get David Cassidy. I graduated to Vogue, and the only way I could read Vogue was in South End Library on the precinct. And because Vogue was quite expensive, it was 50p. It was chained to a wall. So I had to read Vogue on the end of a chain. That's fantastic. And that's when I fell in love with fashion, the, the reading Vogue. Good old days. Chained to a Vogue in the library. Because they thought I was going to nick it. You probably would have. Would you have nicked well, it? Well, I probably would have, yes. Yeah, you probably would have. <laughs> so how's your week been that? Well, um, you look a, you look a bit stiff. I'm 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 crippled. I'm not stiff. I'm crippled. Um, not I did two skydives on Saturday. Two, not one. Two. Started off at quarter to six in the morning, where there was a blood curdling scream from downstairs. Was it Martin? No, Martin. No, Martin just snoring. I thought oh my god charlie's having another attack ran like a maniac and i my bedroom's on the mezzanine level and i just kept running and i missed the ladder that that goes up to the mezzanine and just literally martin said he's just like i jumped off a cliff <laughs> like he said all of a sudden he's all of a sudden i just ran and 
dropped. Did you have a parachute? So your premonition was right. I dropped like a stone for that. Landed on my back, crawling along the floor to, to my dog. Martin comes downstairs and I'm going, no, no, check Charlie, check Charlie. She's going, no, it's not. Turns out that puppy had had a bad dream. So I'm laying in a crumpled heap, half dead, at the bottom of the stairs, because puppy had a good dream. So Martin said, well, you can't do the skydive now. You're crippled. And I'm like, no, I've got tramadol and codeine in from when I had the slip disc. Dose me up. So off we went. We had a two-hour drive, a six-hour wait. And, of course, after six hours, I was, I was sort of okay because I was concentrating on the fact that I was in agony. Then they call your name, and it's like, oh, my God, it's real. I was attached. Did they blindfold you? No, they didn't. I was attached to a very handsome, very nice man. Well, she thinks very, everyone's handsome. No, very lovely accent. But I kept saying to Martin, he's really nice, but he's a bit small and I'm really heavy. Did I, they weigh you? I, no, no. I, I need someone bigger <laughs> to be attached to me. <laughs> so I cry with laughter. Gets in the plane and I'm the last in. And we're taking off, and they've got the door open. Could and it take off? It could take off, How and it many did. Were there? It did. There was um, one, two, three people jumping, and and their tandem partner and a photographer. So I'm on the end, and the plane's going, and I'm saying to the, I'm saying to the photographer, "Is someone shutting that door? Is someone shut? Because I'm I'm literally by the hole, like shut the door." And he just looked at me and burst out laughing and said. Well, we wouldn't want to fall out the plane, would we? And I'm like, look, smart arse, I'm not attached to this bloke yet. Wait until I'm attached, then then be smart. Close the door. So I'm clinging to literally everything that's, like, attached to the plane. That's terrible. Oh, my... So he closed it, like, in hysterical laughter. And I said, you've got a parachute on. If you fall out, you're all right. I'm just... I've got, I've got a harness at the moment. Oh, God. So I, at this point, I was shaking... And what I didn't realise, he said to me, are you ready? Lovely man, lovely man. Are your, you ready? Your partner. My lovely partner. I wish he was. Oh, he's lovely. Bye, Martin. And what they, he said to me, are you ready? And I went, no, not really. And he sort of just like shoved me. It was, it was like... It was Were like you I was, strapped to him? I was strapped to him at this point, which was quite reassuring. And he sort of just shoved me. And what they do, which I didn't know, is they sit on the edge and then you're just dangling out in front of them, attached to them. So I'm shaking. That was like the moment Michael Jackson dangled blanket out the window. I was blanket. You were blanket. I was blanket, being dangled. And it oh, was... It, oh, was, oh. No, it was a lot more swearing than that. <laughs> I'm afraid I advanced blanket. No, I was being Michael Jackson. <laughs> yes, yeah, what I mean, I was swearing. So I'm saying to him, I'm really heavy. We're going to go, we're going to go. And he said to me... You're absolutely fine, and we're going to go anyway. And the next thing I know, we were, we <gasps> just went. Awful. No, it was amazing. It was literally. I'll do it again tomorrow. It was incredible, and you just go and you fall in, and then we were sort of floating above the clouds. Could you see any sheep and pigs running away? No, at this sort of, and then <laughs> so there's clouds, and then he did, we were floating there, and all of a sudden he put his arm out, and it was just like being Superman. He put his arm out and did a Superman dive through the clouds, so it was incredible. But we got to, you get to the I point. Do it. You say that, do you know what? I'd do it again tomorrow. It was incredible. Please do. <laughs> But you get to, when you land, you have to lift your legs up, and of course, I'd landed on my back, and I. I done horrible things to my coccyx and all down my side so you've got to get your legs up and they won't let you do it unless you get your legs up so he's saying to me 
and lift your legs up, lift your legs up, and I'm trying. I've put. Did you hear him? I could hear. No, you can have a chat. You can literally. I wouldn't have been able to hear him. No, it's fantastic. You can just have a chat on the way down. You know, and on the video of me coming down, I'm still chatting away with him. Like my mum's listening to it, going, "Oh my god, she's still talking." She's still talking. She's fallen out of a plane and she's still I've talking. I've never known anyone talk as much as you. Well, he was trying to get me to get my legs up. And of course, I'm in agony. I so think I'm that's why you're up. always so tired, Nick. I think because you talk 24 hours a day, that's very tiring. No, I, I, I do sometimes shut up. I no, shut you up. don't. No, I shut up this week when Emma Dale was on because it was so good. And yeah, no, I do occasionally. I'm, I shut up when I eat. But it was amazing. I would say to anybody, if you're frightened of doing it, but. There's any part of you that wants to do it, just go and do it. It's it's incredible, and they were all so lovely, and they really looked after me. Amazing. I mean, really, do and what it. What was the total you sent to Chris Astray Rescue? Raised, I think it was sixteen hundred and seventy. So uh, for the skydive, so I was really, really chuffed with that. Really, ch- and she's thrilled, absolutely thrilled. So that was that. So I did two skydives, and I've got a surprise. I've got a little revelation. Have you found my birthday present? No, but I know what I'm getting you now. I know what I'm getting because because you reject everything and you don't like everything. I I, I ordered something and then sent it back because I knew you wouldn't like it when it arrived. But now I know what I'm getting you. It's something you need. I'm back to getting you something you need. Is it another colleague? I, when I was away in London last week, Nick stayed in my house to look after the puppies. And instead of watching Emmerdale, she should have been mending my printer. She no. said, oh, I'd be quiet. And then she said, well, I did try. So I tried to dismantle it yesterday and it was full of wasps. So you didn't try because the wasps wouldn't be there. You'd have rehomed them. I tried, but I didn't get very far. And I was... Uh, right. Do you want to know what my surprise is? Yeah, only if it's good. Oh, it is. Well, I think it's good. I've got... Is it an email from Nigel? <sighs> no. Do you know what? I am bloody tempted to just get in touch with him and just do something about this situation because it's dragging on and we're all just we're all just like, do something. We're all getting bored of it. We just want you to do something. We're not getting bored of it. No, but we want you to just move forward to the next level. It's a love story across the ocean. It's a painful love story. Just email him. Come right. on. I've got one word for you. Boris. Johnson? Do you no. know, last night I dreamt I was going out with Boris Johnson. I don't it all right now. I don't you that's you can't Isn't that weird? No, that's that's, Come that's on then. no. Boris the Beagle. What's happened to him? Right, so Boris the Beagle um was on Twitter a uh Have couple you of months ago. Him? No, I'm eking this out like you were getting an older Nigel. Right, so Boris the Beagle was on a few weeks ago and looking for another foster because his foster uh, isn't very well. Are you fostering him? And he's got separation anxiety, so he's he's been quite hard to foster. No one was coming forward. Who's he anxious from being separated from if he's... His fosterer. His fosterer. He doesn't like being on his own. what happened to her then? Uh, She's not very well at the minute, so she she needs him to go to someone else. That's what you're doing tomorrow. That's what I'm doing tomorrow. Is he permanent or I'm foster? Collect, I'm fostering Boris um, and hopefully sorting out his separation anxiety and um, getting him in a better place. And you know he's not a horse? No, 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 he's not a horse. And he's only three. He's a oh, beagle. You're never going to give him back. And um, I, I could be a failed fosterer, let's see. But You're never going to give him back. I love beagles. There's something about beagles. The, I have to say, the charity is amazing. It's Second Chance Golden Retriever Rescue. They don't just deal with golden retrievers. They get a lot... They save hundreds How of dogs. How far do you have to go? Leeds. Oh. 
So they save hundreds of dogs. You could pop, and into, bring Har- it to you could pop into Harvey Nichols and get me some cream. Uh, cream? Sun cream. Sun cream. What do you want sun Keep cream pushed. for? What do you want sun cream for? It's I like, might go to Australia. I might uh, have to buy another suitcase. I'll tell you what, if you're going to Australia, I'll buy everything, I'll pack your bag and I'll shove you on the plane myself. Just do it. Just do it, Jones. So I'll put the uh, website up um, with Twitter if you're interested in fostering or adopting. Have you told your mum you're having another son? I have. I what have. did she say? I have, she's going to come with me to collect him. Well, who's looking after Charlie? Martin is going to look after Charlie. Can you trust him? Yes, because Charlie's more mobile now. I didn't trust him when Charlie wasn't mobile. And I hide his PlayStation as well, so he concentrates on Charlie and not goes on the PlayStation. Maybe your mum can go into Harvey Nichols while you park outside. We're not going into Harvey Nichols. (laughs) Do you want to know what the column is this week, which is the whole point of this podcast? It's not going to be as exciting as me getting Boris. It is exciting. It's not not, going to be as exciting. Go on, then. (laughs) Well... Because I get so much abuse, I thought I would try to be a little bit fairer this week. Is we going to be all positive? No, but fairer. Oh, okay, go on then. Not particularly positive, no. <laughs> all right, go on. So this week, I planned to write about all the awful things I've said and done to men to create what we in the news trade call balance. So, for example, one of the awful things I've done to a man, the time I met an ex for his birthday meal at a Michelin-starred restaurant spied his awful velvet trousers and asked him in front of the maitre d' in a joyous, grenful voice, where are your proper shoes? See, that's about as bad as I get. Where are your proper shoes in front of the whole restaurant? To be fair, if he's your ex and he's meeting you, he should expect it. This is you. This is is what you do. Dress up, put on some proper shoes. Yeah, he he, he could have anticipated that and avoided it. But he said he's... Feet had spread in lockdown, he couldn't get them on, so that made him even more attractive. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> then I remembered I hadn't been that bad because an ex-ex, when I went to see him in Edinburgh, we stayed at the Masoni Hotel. The stripes started to make me feel dizzy. And so I said that on my last day, I'd go and visit my nieces for the day because they live in Edinburgh. And he said, OK, but I'll come and see you off at the station afterwards. He'd bought me a first-class ticket as I was going back without him. And he was going to spend a week on Sky to decompress, which is what people have to do after a few mini-breaks with me. They have to go and decompress on another holiday. <laughs> it's a good excuse. I'm always on edge and anxious when I'm about to board a moving object, which is why I always hate getting on top during sex. Oh, burn my eyes. It moves around, doesn't it? You can't get your aim. Oh, I don't know. I'm too tired for that malarkey. So I said, please, no, don't see me off. I hate people seeing me off. I don't know how long I'm going to be with the nieces. And anyway, I don't know. You don't know what time I'm going, so you can't see me off. And he said, I do know what time because I booked your seat. That was a rare moment of clarity. Don't you hate it when they have a rare moment of clarity? You mean he'd done something useful? My taxi later that afternoon dropped me off at Waverley Station and I spotted his car illegally parked at an angle. And I thought, (laughs) oh, no, he's turned up. And the problem was I hadn't been able to get all my clothes back into my suitcase. Why does that always happen? I don't know. When you're coming home, you can never get all your clothes back in the suitcase. And so my washing, which I don't like being in my suitcase with other clothes because it's dirty. You put it in a bag. 
I put it in a Sainsbury's carrier bag. So I was carrying a Sainsbury's carrier bag. So when you see this great love of your life turning up to see you off and you're carrying a Sainsbury's carrier bag, you're like, what do I do with it? And I considered throwing it over a hedge. What's wrong with carrying a Sainsbury's? Because it's just wrong, isn't it? It's not nonchalant. You don't see Audrey Hepburn with a Sainsbury's carrier bag of knickers. This isn't Brief Encounter. Do you know it what I mean? literally is briefing County. <laughs> He'd see my bread. He came towards me, and in that moment, I realised there was a woman in the passenger seat of his car. <gasps> da, da, da. But to her credit, she scrunched down a bit, but I'd already spotted her, you see, because I've had laser eye surgery. That's hilarious. But I didn't tell him off or ask who it was. I was embarrassed, although in an early version of Me Too... I made quite sure that when he went to give me a pet goodbye, all he got was a mouthful of black hair. Oh, see, I would have just gone, who's that? <laughs> Introduce me. He had booked my train in the knowledge he was going to go round two with another woman in Sky. So what else have I done that warranted men? What bad things have I done? See, I didn't do anything bad there. What bad that. things have I done that warranted being cheated on or called the C word twice. Yeah, that's unforgivable. The first time a man called me the C word, it was also in Edinburgh, not a lucky city for me. I'd booked and paid for a Georgian Airbnb apartment. I know, what a bitch. Bad you. I booked it with two bedrooms in case we had an argument. That's not exactly looking forward to a romantic break. And you guessed it, he ended up sleeping in the spare room, but he still managed to text the C word to my phone. Oh, dear. So I couldn't help but wonder, Sarah Jessica Parker fashion, do I deserve this sort of treatment? C words, turning up with other women. No. It could have been his sister. No, it wasn't. Why are some women adored, waited on, Supported and fawned over, and I'm texted rude words. Don't know, I've never read all that. The worst my ex-husband could come up to say about me in the Telegraph piece a few weeks ago was that I'm very OCD about cleanliness and my cats. But surely that's a good point, that's a plus point. That is a good point, but he also said that he was a virile toy boy. And he said I showered him with expensive gifts and long-haul holidays. What a bitch, again. What, what a, a bitch. bitch. Georgian apartments, a week in Puglia, learning how to make tortellini. What a bitch. I'm just cosmic ordering my own bitch right now. <laughs> I think the problem here is that men come into my orbit, attracted like moths by my dazzling wit and really lovely hands. And then they instantly become chippy. See, it's word oh, of the week again. No. Word of the week oh, is chippy. They become chippy. <laughs> oh, not chippy. They become chippy about my lifestyle, my work ethic, my awards. All of your awards. And they want to spoil it by deliberately not using a coaster or taking several months off from what you might wonder to find themselves in India in another woman's vagina. Where Ooh. are your proper shoes? <laughs> Doesn't quite sound quite so bad now, does it? It does not. And then, at the end of the column, I publish a list of all the holidays I took my husband on, which he complained about in the Telegraph. And the list is Thailand, Puglia, to make tortellini, Seville, New York, Lucca in Tuscany, Cardiff, 
doesn't sound great, but it was a lovely Cardiff. spa. <laughs> oh, it was a lovely spa. Cardiff, Thailand. Cardiff, Thailand. Delhi, Udapur, the Himalayan foothills, Marrakesh with a member of Blur, Babington House, Babington House again, Love Claridge's, a yoga retreat in Ibiza. What a bitch. I want my own bitch. Give me my own bitch. Come on, universe, deliver me. You can read this week's diary in full on Man on Sunday's You magazine. So then as my archive, da, da, da. 2006, I'm still bitter. Still, but it's never going to go, is it? No. Don't matter how many mindless retreats, we're gonna, it's never going to go. Here's a very, very, very moving, illuminating column about my ex-husband which really blows the Telegraph out of the water. So if you subscribe to the Telegraph, just don't bother. Come over to us. Come over to the dark side. I sat my husband down and he looked all expectant and wide-eyed. I told him that when we first started going out, my weird and eccentric behaviour stemmed from an, an attempt to put him off me, to repel him. I knew it could never work out, not with an age gap of more than a decade. I told him I lied about my age from the outset because I never dreamed we'd end up going to the Hackney Town Hall with our birth certificates. I did consider having one forged, but I couldn't find anyone did to you do not, it. Seriously, did you not know that, like... No, but I never thought I'd marry the fat twerp. <laughs> you needed a column, though, didn't you? You needed a column. I then told him that I'm tired of making up to him for being so old that I can't do this anymore. Do you try to make it up to me, he asked with a quizzical look. I said every bloody day think of the list of holidays nobody else would have put up with you and your awful habits and downright treacherous behaviour but why do you have to make up to someone for being your age you are who you are why do you have to make it well up? I felt I had to but you come with don't wisdom. destroy the whole premise of my marriage no 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 but you come Courting. with wisdom and experience and you come you bring so much with age that he should be grateful for it his anyway his behavior in ascending order of annoyance he leaves the sliding mirror cupboard doors in the bathroom halfway open exposing his horrid supermarket brand shaving paraphernalia oh he picks up Sweetie, the cat, and cradles her on her back like a baby, which she hates. When he gets up in the morning, he doesn't feed the cats or open windows or put the kettle on. He merely sits and reads his emails. He makes me drive everywhere because he has a fear of motorways and roundabouts. He never notices anything around the house and has never bought anything for it bar a potato peeler. He never uses the daily shower spray. He never empties a dishwasher, washing machine, tumble dryer, swing bing. He's very windy in the bottom area. He never opens his post. He shows no interest in my work. He never initiates sex. He calls me, variously, mummy, old lady and chubby. There's something not quite right about the mummy one. I'm not going to be the only one thinking that. All of which I hate. He often tells me to shut up and stop talking, doing a naked glove puppet, talking hand gesture like Rude. that. Rude. 
He never asked my plans. Don't most normal people who are married come Saturday say, what would you like to do this weekend? He's obsessed with his three gay best friends, always texting them and meeting them for the coffee. If not for the fact he slept with five women last year, other than me, I would seriously think he's homosexual. One of his non-gay friends recently said to me that he thinks he is bi-curious. He's incredibly harsh, blunt and unromantic. Even when I was in hospital, he failed to buy me any flowers. I told him all this. I made him sit down and listen. And he went like that with a naked glove puppet. <gasps> he said, well, why That's haven't terrible. you kicked me out then? Why haven't you kicked me out then? He said arrogantly. I've tried, I told him. When I was having that bath, I said you should move out and you never did. And then he tried to hug my muffin. You know, the muffin over your trousers. Don't touch that. That's, that's, that's literally illegal. Don't touch the belly. Don't touch a fat bit. It's illegal. See? No, that's, that would have him out the door with a suitcase, that would. Don't, t- don't touch the muffin, any of them. None of them. So sorry to interrupt, Liz, but we have a very important announcement that might just interest your listeners. There's another Mail on Sunday podcast and it could change your life. It's called Medical Minefield. Yes, where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. And that's with me, Barney Kalman, the Mail on Sunday's health editor. And me, Eve Simmons, the deputy health editor. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. Lots of you get in touch telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. So how are all our readers this week, Nick, apart from the ones who've been trolling me on Twitter? Well, they are lovely. They're always lovely. In fact, oh, catnip one that you are. I am catnip to men, I am. Yeah, you are. Because we now have a Raymond. Raymond? A Raymond. Raymond sounds very, well, sounds a very good prospect, actually. Raymond says, my ideal date. A gorgeous woman, dark-haired with brains as well. A dinner at the Dorchester with a Poirot or a Pepsi, if you prefer. Then on to a place where night meets the morning sun. Very poetic. What a wonderful thing to behold. Then to Paris aboard a private jet to the Hotel George V. That woman is Elizabeth Jones. Sadly, I live in Canada, but we can dream. You've got a picture? I haven't got a picture, but I'm thinking of asking one because if he if he's capable of all the rest of him, I'm sure he can get on a plane from Has Canada. Has he got his own plane? I don't, I don't know. I'd like to investigate this, this. I mean, he could just be a fantasist, but he fantasises well, doesn't he? I mean, it's all very plus point. Yeah. So really, what I need now from you, Raymond, is pictures... Bank account. Bank account. You know what I mean? And if you can put your, your, put your plane where your mouth is. And has he ever texted the C word to a woman while staying in an Airbnb that she paid for? He doesn't sound like it, does he? He sounds... I mean, if someone says where the night meets the morning sun, I'm sure that's a song lyric. He's not the sort of person to use the C word, is he? Just not happening. And we also had a email from, from Jane. and Jane. I, from Jane. And I've included this one because 
I think it just shows how many people go through so much of what you've been through and how many women have that same sort of experiences. It's, you know, it's not just you which makes you feel like it is only you or they probably feel that, you know, they, they don't share experience with anyone. So I thought this was really sort of valid for everybody. So she says, hi, both. Just to say I've been listening to your podcast over a year now. They make my Sunday afternoon. I resonate so much with you. I worked for 20 years running my own fashion boutiques and sadly lost them in April 2018 after a lengthy legal battle with a horrible new landlord. It was devastating and I subsequently free-falled into anxiety, which I thought I would never suffer from. It was so hurtful that some of the women I thought were friends were no longer interested in the connection. I was no longer of use to them for discounts in my store or employment. I sadly also didn't hear from my mother or sister, both of who I supported financially and emotionally over the years. I've picked myself up lots of walking podcasts and a lovely Irish terrier called Red. I love your style and I love your wit and honesty, Nick, too. So many times I want to shout out, yes, I agree to all your comments. The one thing to remember is out of all the bad times, something good appears. Something or someone you never noticed or had time for before. Yoga has been my saviour too, and my husband, who also suffered bankruptcy with the loss of our businesses, he has retrained to be a CBT therapist specialising in men. He has found his calling. I'm hoping to find mine soon. It will come. Thank you for the podcast and the work that goes into it. You have a loyal tribe, and I'm proud to be part of Jane. Oh, lovely Jane. Lovely Jane. And I, but I thought there was so much important in that, that, you know, we share experiences, that out of it positive things can come. You know, her husband's found something that he was meant to do and she's looking for that thing as well. And I just thought it was a really lovely letter. Well, that's going back to what we were saying at the beginning about Adele and about columns and about art and love songs and songs about divorce. No one's interested in, oh, I'm rich, I'm happy, I'm living in a mansion, I'm going to get my nails done. That's not compulsive. That doesn't, you can't relate to that. It doesn't talk to people, does it? No. No. I mean, I'd rather be in that situation and not communicate with other people on that level. But, but you know, I thought it's not just you who have a family no. that use them. It's not just you that whose friends use them and then drop out. I mean, you've had the same, haven't you, yeah. when you lost your money. But that's why I write it, is to say to other people... You know, I've been cheated on. I've called the C word. I've had problems with my health. I've had sister die. You know, my nephew died when he was 21. I've lost my house. I lost everything I owned. Saying you made six million from your house in Primrose Hill and you now live in the countryside and you sit by the fire because you don't have to go out isn't compulsive. Take note if you're listening. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.